Amen. Does he deserve the glory tonight? He deserves it all. Amen. Let's just go to him in prayer. Father, Lord, truly you are worthy of it all. Everything that we can give, Lord, and so much more. Many times we feel so unworthy to give you the praise and honor that you truly deserve. Lord, we ask, Father, that you'd come this evening and you would touch our hearts and lives by your word and you'd minister to us, Father, strengthen us. Lord, as we see these things before us, Father, may you just quicken it to our hearts and our lives, I pray. We love you with all of our hearts and thank you for the opportunity to serve you in the time that we're living in. Thank you for the call of God in our life. Thank you for calling us and believing in us that we can stand in this evil day. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn to Galatians 5 and verse 1. Amen. It's good to be back home with you again, even if it's just for a moment. Me and Sister Ruth and Sister Katie and I think Sister Rebecca's going with us tomorrow. We're going to be up in Missouri this weekend ministering at Brother Ben Beard's church. It was formerly Brother Harold Brown's, and and um, I just ask you to pray for us. Then we'll be home for a little while and be looking forward to that. But we had a good time while we was away. We was at Brother Josh Bennett's dedication meeting and just had a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord. And God done some wonderful things there. They have a beautiful building that the Lord has, has given them. And and, uh, and and they moved from a little small little place into then COVID struck and they had to go into a gymnasium and then different things happened and their church grew and they wasn't able to even think about, think about going back to where they came from. And, but God had greater plans and they have a nice building, nice facility there. And we thank the Lord for that. Then we went to Brother Donnie Reagan's um, dedication there at the Word of Life Tabernacle and and that's a beautiful place as well that the Lord has given, and we thank the Lord for all He's done. Something struck me very, uh, you know, a lot of people get tangled up in thinking that we ought not have nice churches and things, and, you know, we ought not do too many nice things, but Brother Donnie said somebody had sent him something on what the tabernacle in the wilderness cost. You heard it, didn't you? $330 million for a tent. That's quite incredible, ain't it? And then, the, then, then the then the building, the temple was thirty billion dollars. Uh, God doesn't mind spending money on His own place, and I believe we ought to have something nice for Him. And, you know, it really ain't the building; it's the people, right? Amen. That's what makes it all. And then, as Brother Tim would preach there first night on Friday night, I'm sure you heard it, but the building is just an empty building and just just a gathering of people. If it's not for the glory of God there. And that's what we want is the glory of God among us. Amen. Let's read here in Galatians 5 and verse 1. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Amen. We let you be seated. You know, I, yesterday we had July the 4th, and it has been quite a holiday in our country uh, for some time, men or women are, are kind of turning against it now in the time that we're living in and and not really wanting to celebrate the freedoms that we have enjoyed for many years. And we definitely see this land that was raised up as a lamb is beginning to speak as a dragon. And they're coming against the freedoms that were given us by men who had faith uh, men of faith that would rise up against the church and the tyranny that was there in their land and said, so we want a land where we can worship God as we would want to worship God and we can give God the glory and honor that he deserved in the way that we want to. And so they would, by faith, they would get on boats and they would come across a, a great ocean and they would begin to search out and find a place and they begin to, you know, as, as the nation was formed and, and I, I'm not going to go into all of that. We have a little bit of history here, but uh, you know, they wrote out the, uh, the the Declaration of Independence and then the Constitution and all those things in the thought of freedom and the thought of, of, of a man being free. 
they knew what it was like to be under oppression and to do things a certain way and to, and to only be able to serve God in certain manners. And so they wanted a place where man could be free. And, and I'm thankful for this country that we have. And, and, and God has used it in many ways. And we know that, that, that what, it's, what its end is going to be, but that's because of prophecy. But, you know, God raised it up for a purpose and, and he raised it up for a place and a time, amen, that God could use it in the time and manner that he has. But, you know, I got to thinking about freedom and how men and women are coming against it and, and calling it different things. And I, I'm not going to get into the political side of it. But I thought about, you know, thinking about this day of how many men gave their lives and women gave their lives that we could have this freedom. Uh, and I want to speak about that, the cost of freedom, because freedom has a price. Freedom is not free. Someone died that we could have freedom. You know, freedom means to be one who is not a slave, one who has ceased to be a slave, who is freed, amen, is exempt, unrestrained, not bound by obligation. But somebody, amen, had to die that we could have the freedom that we enjoy today. Now, as I said, we see it going away very quickly. But, you know, but I got to looking at different things that men have said down through history. And one struck me as John F. Kennedy, he would say the cost of freedom is always high. But Americans have always paid it. But one path we will never choose, and that is the path of surrender or submission. And I thought, you know, that's a wonderful thought because, you know, there is a cost of freedom, but there is also a cost of surrender. There's also a cost of submission. But, you know, you know, does freedom have a cost? And I I just want to go through a few things as we begin to look at this thought. You know, it says, ask the question again of the remnants of that same second ranger battalion that's now reinforced and assigned to a hill 400 in eastern France. Late in November, the first army had already thrown four divisions at the hill, 400 with crushing losses. The conditions were even worse than at the point. Still the rangers went in knowing the risk. Outnumbered 10 to 1, their original strength of three full companies eventually were reduced to just five officers and 86 men. But they took that hill in two days. The cost of freedom is not able to be calculated. Amen. Ask the 19-year-old teenagers the average age of the 1st U.S. Marine Division who landed August the 7th, 1942 on the north shore, shore of Guadalcanal, a small tropical island not far from Australia. Guadalcanal was the first time that American forces stopped the Japanese sweep in the South Pacific, turning the tide of war. 19-year-old boys. But at what cost? Under fire during the landing, the naval forces pulled away, leaving these young Marines without air support with most of their heavy weapons and tanks and all the rest of their supplies left with them but these young teenagers hung on in that rain-soaked malaria-ridden land fighting off snakes leeches jungle rot as well entrenched army for the next six months Guadalcanal became hell for both the young marines and the defenders when in early 1943 the Japanese pulled out only 10,000 soldiers were left of their original 400 or 40,000 the first marines required a full year rehabilitation before they could be called a fighting unit again having lost many thousands dead and wounded the cost of freedom cannot be calculated Amen. He said, think of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence in 1776. Individually, each of them had more to lose than to gain by signing this document. Most of them were already men of standing in their communities, highly educated, owners of substantial property. John Hancock, the richest man in America, became a wanted man with a price on his head. They did not choose the revolt. They were mainly, mainly, merely wanting to be treated the same as other Englishmen in the, that were in England, but they all knew that the pen, what the penalty was for treason it was death by hanging. But each signer immediately become a marked man, pursued relentlessly by the, by the British army. Not, none who had property or family were spared. Most lived to see their families killed, separated forever, their property sacked. Nine signers died of wounds or hardships during the war. 
Many died in poverty, the fathers of our country. Their pledge, our lives, our fortune, our sacred honor was no idle boast. The cost of freedom cannot be calculated. Amen. You know, uh, it, 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 it comes with a price. It comes with a cost. Uh, I think we're up to 1.4 million men that have died, amen, in the fight for freedom. But Patrick Henry, we know the, the last few lines of his, of his speech. It says, give me liberty or give me death. But this man stood to lose a lot when he stood here and he gave this, gave this speech. But I, I, wanna, I want you to hear it in its entirety. He says, if we were base enough to desire it, is it now too late to retire from the contest there is no retreat but in submission and slavery amen our chains are already forged their clanking may be heard on the plains of boston the war is an inevitable and let it come i repeat sir let it come it is in vain sir to extenuate the matter gentlemen may cry peace peace but there is no peace the war is actually already begun the next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears a clash of resounding arms our brethren are already in the field why stand here till we die? Why stand here idle? What is that gentleman's wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. In other words, if it ain't liberty, then chains await, slavery awaits. So there is a cost to freedom, but there's also a cost to not accepting the freedom or not fighting for the freedom. Amen. There is a cost to have freedom and liberty in the house of God, but there's also a cost and a change that comes with it for not standing and fighting for having liberty in the house of Almighty God. There is a cost for preaching the gospel, but there's also a cost for not not preaching the gospel. Amen. There is a cost for living for this life that we live, but there's also a cost for not living the life that we live. There is a cost of freedom, and, there, and it's, it's a price that's worth paying. Amen. You know, we're going to have wars. We're going, it's, it's already here. You know, you're not going to live a, a life without fighting. I don't care what side you're on. You're either going to fight your way to heaven, or you're going to fight your way to hell. Come on now. Amen. Don't look out there in the world and think they got it easier. No, sir, they got it worse. Amen. They're living a life full of hell and full of anxieties and full of worries and and they don't have nothing to stand upon. Their life is tore up from one end to the other. They may be singing the, they may be singing and shouting and carrying on all they want to and saying, hey, we're living a good life and drinking it up and partying up, but they're paying the price. The wages of sin are death. Amen. There is a price that has to be paid no matter what side you take. You know, even the Bible, and I I was looking at this, this Bible came at cost. We look at it today and, well, you know, this is is a really nice Bible my wife actually bought for me. It's got goat skin leather and things and it's been a wonderful Bible that's lasted me a very long time. You can buy one for about 300 bucks if you'd like to have it. Maybe you can get one for $30, but it came for more than dollars. It costs more than dollars. Amen. You know, there's many men that would actually, Wycliffe and different ones that would work and give their lives for the translation of the Bible. And But one man I want to read about is William Tyndale and what he went through. You know, he was found guilty of heresy and translating the Bible from Greek to English. He was, and for, for being guilty of doing that, he was tied to a stake and he was strangled to death and burnt to ashes. William Tyndale is popularly known as the father of the English Bible, a brilliant person who spoke 12 languages, 12 languages fluently at 21. Man, I barely speak one of them. Amen. Many historians, historians debate on his actual birth, but not much is even known about his childhood. But it is believed that according to Tyndale, the church priests were not following the actual teachings of God. Amen. Amen. Thus misleading people. Amen. One Catholic clergyman once, once said to him, we are better to be without God's law than the Pope's. 
Can you imagine this? We are better to be without God's law than the Pope's law. To this, re- this statement, he responded, if God spares me ere many years, I will cause a boy that drives a plow to know more of the scriptures than you do. <laughs> I'm thankful he was willing to pay the cost. At some point, he was ordained even as a priest and later a chaplain, but remember nothing Fighting evils, nothing fighting, frightens evil men more than a good man who's willing to stand in their way. His sentiments around religion threaten the leaders of the church and the authorities leading his dismissal. As a man of values and principles, he was willing to die for it. His dismissal was a blessing in disguise because it gave him more time to translate the Bible. So he there went and he began to fully dedicate his life to studying and teaching the gospel and, and begin to work among those that had this language bearing and realize that these people needed the Bible in their own language. See, we know the people of England, they didn't speak or hear Greek or Hebrew, and, but that was what the Bible was written in, or maybe Latin, but they could understand that. And so the church could say whatever they wanted to say, decree whatever they wanted to say, do it however they wanted to do it, and you couldn't do nothing about it because you didn't even know what the Bible really said. So he said, I want to put the Bible in the people's hands. And so he began to give his life to it. And, and the possession, and back in those days, the possession of the Bible was sacred. And translating it without the king or the bishop's permission was strictly forbidden. And William headed to the Bishop of London, uh, to Cuthbert Tunstall to seek consent. But Tunstall refused to grant his wishes. Devoted to the cause, William wouldn't let anyone stand in his way and he secretly began to search for people that had any form of printing equipment or connections. Lucky for him he found several traders who were smuggling uh, Martin Luther's writings from Germany and they encouraged him to flee from England to Europe and would help him smuggle the Bibles thereafter. Filled with happiness and fear, William left England under a false name and began to work and head into Germany and begin to work and work and work knowing his life was at stake with every letter he wrote. And he would begin to move from city to city, from city to city. You know, and they tried to, uh, they tried to do whatever they could. And, and, you know, a lot of things went on, and I, I just get on down to it here. There was a man he thought would be his friend and pretended to be his friend, and, and he gained his confidence, and eventually he turned him over to the authorities, and he was put into prison. And for over a year and many months behind bars, his trial began, to, began and William was accused of heresy. That is, believing, among other things, in the forgiveness of sin and that the mercy offered in the gospel was enough for salvation. He believed that freedom had already been paid for. But the church was trying to still get you to pay for freedom. This was their money line. And they knew when people begin to realize, I don't have to pay for it, it's already been paid for. And so these were the heresies he was guilty of. And he was sentenced to death by strangulation and burned at the stake. His last wish and prayer was, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. A cry for freedom. Amen. As he was, life was ending his, out of his, going out of his body. Freedom is not free. This, this holiday we just went through and fireworks went off and all kinds of things happened. But for too many years, People have taken their freedoms for granted. Thought they'd always be here and they'd always be that way. And you know, this is America. You know, well, America's turning. And it's very quickly going to become a place that don't have freedoms no longer. It's going to turn to the dragon. As, you know, as it was there in England, what they tried to leave is actually going to come again and be exactly what they left. And it's going to begin, and that's where, when the tribulation hits and all that kind of stuff and all that, how that works, the the beast is going to come and and take lives. Amen. They're going to realize, hey, you know, I I wish we still had those freedoms. 
But of course, you know, men think say that a freedom is, a, you know, and, and they turn it into a license to do whatever they want. And so that's where we're at in this nation now is it's not just the land of the free, it's the land of the free to do whatever you want to do. Think however you want to think. Be how, whatever you want to be. If you want to be a dog bed. If you want to be a cat bed. If you want to be this, you, you just be what you want to be. But that's not what this nation was built upon. Amen. Listen, the nation, how it was built. Amen. It was only meant to be run by Christians. It was only meant to be run by men who knew what true freedom was. It wasn't the license to sin and the license to do whatever you want to. It was the license to live, the freedom to live the gospel of Jesus Christ. But of course, they've turned it into what it is today. And this nation is going to pots. I mean, it's, it's gone. There's no hope for it. You can do whatever you want to. You can pray for it and do whatever. But it's, it's prophesied, amen, it's going to, to burn. So we know where it's headed. But the greatest price that was ever paid for freedom, and there was only one that could pay it. Came and he came and done it at Calvary. That's where the greatest price was paid. That's one of the things God had required it. No man was worthy. No man was able. No man could do it. And God came himself and was made human and lived a human life under human desires and was crucified at Calvary. And that's where we are. Satan thought he wouldn't do it. He thought he wouldn't go through it. And he went through it anyhow. He stood every temptation and he went through it just like all men. Why? So he could pay the price. And it was a price that only one man could ever pay. The Brandon was saying like this. He said it was a terrible day. He said that day the sun looked funny. There was never a day like it was never will be again. It was a horrible thing. The debt from Eden has to be paid. It was a horrible day. And we begin to notice early in the morning. He said I hear a noise coming down the street. And I hear something going bump. Bump, bump. What is it? It's an old rugged cross. And he said, I see a little woman run out in front of him and said, what has he done? What has he done but preach the gospel? What has he done but heal the sick? And I see a rough hand smack her in the mouth and say, sit down. Would you believe that woman who's a prostitute before you'd believe your, believe your priest? She couldn't speak her peace. His time had come for something else. That cross was dragging for a purpose. He had a robe over his shoulders and he started up the hill and I noticed little bitty red spots all over his coat. Wonder what they are. His little weak body, a crown of thorns on his head, spit hanging down his face. What had he done to deserve it? Nothing. But he was paying my penalty. He was paying your penalty. And those spots, they watch him with it. He drags on and his little body begins to get more frail, more frail on it. And they're whipping him and they're making him go on. And he's pulling that old cross, bump, bump, bump. And those little spots get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I hear splashing down his leg. And he's getting weaker and he's getting weaker. And what was it? He was willing to pay the price. And listen, he was willing to pay such a great price for our freedom of the spirit, for our freedom of worship, for our freedom in the house of God to deliver us from the law of sin and death. And he paid such a great price. I will not be like what our country has become and stand side and let freedom after freedom be taken. But I know this gospel came with a cost. And if it get men have died and they give their life, how much more should we stand for the freedom of God in our lives? And say, devil, you're not taking one of our freedoms. They might rewrite constitution. They may rewrite amendments. They may take all the holidays off and never celebrate the 4th of July ever again. It matters not to me. I have a freedom that this world didn't give and the world can't take away. It is a freedom in the land of the Holy Ghost. 
And it's been paid for. He said, that's what blocked the earth out. It's like a, he said, it was like an operation was taking place. It was. It was my operation. He was cutting sin off of me. He was breaking chains off of me. See, when a doctor gives a man an anesthetic, the first knocks him out before he can do it. And when God gave an operation for the church, the world got an anesthetic. Nature had a convulsion. No wonder God in human flesh was dying. It was the hour the world had looked for, yet many of them never saw it. Ain't that a paradox? Like it is today, many have looked for these things, yet they don't recognize them. They don't realize the way out. They're still trying to seek pleasures and things of the world, trying to find their way out. There, there was been and has been many signposts that pointed to that day, many great foreshadowings, many had been foreshadowed by the lamb, by the bullock, by the turtle dove, all these things, and yet it could, they could not see it, and that all those other foreshadows could not pay the price. They could not break the yoke off of the earth. They could not break the yoke off of men's lives. They couldn't break death's hold. The very rocks that he once walked up and down the earth, burning like brimstones. Lucifer was a son of the morning, and he walked on the earth when the burning volcanic, those same rocks that had cooled off when Jesus died at Calvary, belched forth again out of the earth. He said the price that was paid, the bondage of Satan was broke. God put back in the hands of man a way back to what he was looking for. He had to weep no more. When he broke the backbone of Satan, there at Calvary, the backbone of sin, the backbone of sickness, it brings every mortal being on earth back into the presence of God with all sins forgiven. Wow, the price is paid. No wonder the Catholics didn't want you to have this Bible. Come on, somebody. Amen, we don't understand that. We have, we've, this Bible's been a part of our life, all of our life. We grew up reading the Bible, many of us. Amen, we don't understand what it was like for some of those men to fight their way and give their lives so you could have this Bible freely. But somebody had to pay the price. Somebody had to pay the price for you to believe what you believe today. William Branham could have been, he could have been a boxer. He could have been a guide. He could have been all kinds of things, but he paid a price. This gospel that we believe today did not come without price. Somebody paid a price. Amen. And, you know, he, he paid a price to, to get up. He would get up and preach knowing, preach things knowing that what he was preaching, friends, was going to leave him. And they did. Come down to it. He said, I don't have many friends left. He's like, if I preach this, they all, the rest of them will leave. He knew that it came with a price. Amen, for us to have the atmosphere that, that we experience and the spirit of God moving among us and, and the liberty of the word, it comes with a price. Amen, it does not come, it does not come freely. It, it, somebody had to give something so you could obtain it. Listen, for you to have kids that, that, that are good children and, and love the Lord, and th- it came with a price. God put back in the hands of man a way back he was looking for. He had to weep no more. It broke the backbone of Satan. The backbone of sin, the backbone of sickness. And it brings every mortal being on earth back into the presence of God with all sins. Our sins are forgiven. No more can Satan black us off from God. Man, that ought to, that ought to, that's shouting shoes right there. I, 
Amen. The devil always wanting trying to tell you, no, God ain't hearing your prayers. God don't hear you. God don't hear you. No more can Satan black us off from God. No more can he cut the communication between us and God. There is a highway made. There's a telephone sitting there. There is a line to glory. Amen. It brings every person in reach of that line. If a man is full of sin, it connected him to on central. He can be forgiven of that sin. Not only that, that sin is already paid for. You don't have to say, I'm not worthy. Woo, hallelujah. Amen, that's what the devil wants you to say over and over and over and over. I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. I'm, you never will be. But he made you worthy. <laughs> the scripture said he made you accepted in the beloved. So in other words, he had to pay the price. So you could have that place there. Amen, you don't have to say no more, you're not worthy. You're not, you never could be. But a worthy one took your place. Therefore, you're no more bound, you're free. You don't have to wonder anymore. You don't have to be a pleasure-seeking man out here no more. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins where sinners plunge beneath the flood and lose all their guilty stains. Oh my, you don't have to be lost. Whoo, Jesus. Amen, if the lost could ever realize that. You don't have to be lost. There is already a highway built. There's a way you can go. It's called the way of holiness. The unclean can't pass over it, but he that comes through this fountain and he can enter in that that highway. Listen, Jesus paid the price. He broke the powers of Satan. Satan's been hanging stuff over your head. What you need to remind him is you're broke. (laughs) How many times he wants to tell you that? You're broke. You ain't got nothing. You don't have anything. You've never experienced nothing from God. You're broke. You don't have no joy. You're broke. You don't have no peace. You're broke. You're full, of, you're full of anxiety and fear. You're a broke person. You're nervous all the time. You're a broke person. No, he's the one that's broke. Come on now. He, you're not the one that's broke. You're the one that's paid for. You say, well, Brother Timothy, I don't look like much. Well, neither that old knock-kneed, lop-eared mule that time. He's born so ugly. Hey, man, looks so ugly, looks so terrible. He's like, man, as soon as they see me, they're going to kill me. And his mama said, hey, you just, you just settle down there. There was a lamb that was offered for you. Hallelujah. You made to yourself never look like much and never look like anything. But you need to quit saying, I'm not worthy. You need to quit saying, I'm broke. You need to quit saying, I'm nothing. God gave everything for you, so you have to be something. I mean, my God, you only give something for something what you think it's worth. That's common, not common sense, right? I mean, who's going to go to a garage sale, and you're going to see this old shirt tattered up or whatever, stinks? <laughs> what you going to give for it? You ain't even gonna want it. I hope not, anyway. But I mean, ain't none, ain't none of you in any good sense gonna pull out a hundred dollar bill and say, "Here, I believe I'll buy this shirt." That would seem senseless, stupid. Yeah, that's a good word. I like that word, stupid. Somebody done lost their marbles. Turn to your neighbor and say, "I ain't lost mine." All right, yeah, we'll loosen up a little bit. It's Freedom Day. Hey man, here you go to the garage sale and you find some piece of junk and you pay a a, a crazy price for it. It don't. It seems like, uh, but the reason why you would is because you would know it's worth more than what they think it's worth. The reason why you might would decide, hey, I need to get this and get out of here with it. <laughs> you know, I, I, me and brother Mike. I'm, I'm here, brother Mike. 
we, we was looking for Coleman lanterns, and I got into Coleman lanterns with him, and I, I said, you know what, I'm going to find one of them ark lanterns. He said, whatever. He said people looked all, all over for one of them things. They're, not, they're rare as woodpecker lips. That's one of his sayings. <laughs> and so I said, well, I'm going to find one. Sure enough, I ain't, been, I ain't been looking for lanterns for about four or five months, maybe less. And I drive over to Dallas, pull off on the side road, go in this little spot. It don't even look like an antique place. I walk around the corner, and Andrew's, and Luke's with me, and Sister Ruth. And Andrew, there's one of them kids went through that Rubik's Cube craze, and he's, he's the He goes, whoa, Dad, there's an ark. I knew Andrew, and I thought he's pulling my leg. I looked down there, and sure enough, it was. You know, and it was a beautiful ark, and it, but it didn't look like much. It looked like it was broke, just a broken hunk of metal. But I knew it was worth something. I knew that it, it was rare. I knew that it was something of great, greater value than what was on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. And it was, even had a tag on it that says, a great lantern to, to paint or decorate, have fun, $24.95. Well, I snatched that thing up because I knew, even as it said, it was worth probably 20, 40, 50 times more than even that. And so I'm just shook up because I done found an ark. And I'm walking around, and I called Brother Mike. I said, hey, you ain't going to believe this. I found an ark. He said, you're lying. I put it on the table. I took some pictures. I sent him a picture. I said, now am I lying or what? He said, hey, let me ask you this question. He said, you still in that store? I said, yeah, I'm still, I'm just kind of, I'm just, my mind's blowed. He said, go up there, throw them $30 on the front and walk out the door and put that thing in your car before somebody realizes what you got. That's what I did. Because I knew that even the tag that was on it, it was a certain price somebody had put on it, but I knew it was worth more than that. So I was willing to even pay more than what it was worth, what they had on it, because I knew that inside of it and what it was, it could be worth more than that. Did I have to do something? Sure. I had to go home and I sent it to another person. They made it into something now. It's worth about three grand maybe or somewhere around there. Amen. Somebody who thought it was nothing but a hunk of junk that needed to be painted and decorated and put out in the yard somewhere, but somebody with an eye come along and said, hey, that's worth more than that. I remember the day when I was sitting in a shop and the devil had put all kind of tags on me and said, do this and he's this and he's that and that's all he's ever going to be. But somebody came walking through there and said, hey, that boy's worth more than that. And I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to give my all because it's worth. I don't care what the sign says. I don't care what it says to do with it. That's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to remake it. I'm going to remold it. And it will give light again. Hallelujah. Some of you ain't been nothing but beating down humanity and the devil's put all kind of signs on you and said, oh, just go ahead and have fun. Paint it up and decorate it. Do what you want to with it. But that's not who you were. You was destined to give light. You was destined to light up the world and God saw something on the inside of you and he walked and he ripped that old tag off. Woo, Jesus. And he made you into something that can shine for his glory. You don't have to be lost. Pretty good way to work Coleman into a sermon, ain't it? There is a highway. He broke the power of Satan. He opened up the prison doors to every man that was shut up in this earth, fearing that when he died, what death would have be to him. On Calvary, he opened those cell doors. He let every captive go free. You don't have to no longer be torn down by sin. Hello, somebody. You don't have to no longer be torn down by sin. You don't have to no longer yield your members to sin. Drinking, smoking, gambling, whatever sin in there. Your besetting sin. You can be honest, just, and upright, and Satan can do nothing about it. I love that part right there. 
You can be honest, just, and upright, and Satan can do nothing about it. Nothing can shake you from it. No wind will shake you. Even death itself can't shake you. That's what Calvary done. He paid the price. Men that were in bondage were set free. Men that were once under the fear of death no longer fear death. A man who longs for a city whose builder maker is God, he can step on the highway and set his face toward heaven because he's a free man. He is redeemed. He don't have to wander no more. Hello? You don't have to wander no more. Am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I his? Am I not his? Do I belong to him? Do I do him? You don't have to wonder no more. He thought you was worth saving. Mm. The devil may not have thought much about you, but God thought you was worth saving. God thought he, you was worth paying the price for, and so he was willing to give the ultimate price. No greater love has a man than one that will lay down his life for his friend. He is redeemed. He no longer has to wander no more. There's no way of knowing whether you're right or not. There is a way of knowing whether you're right or not. God give us life. Our sins are gone. That day on Calvary paid the price. When we see all that, no wonder the poet wrote, mid-winding rocks and deafening skies, my Savior bowed his head and died. The opening veil revealed the way to heaven's joy and endless day. Abraham don't have to wander no more across the country and city, seeking the city. The sinner don't have to wonder anymore whether he can be saved or not. The sick does not have to wonder whether he can be healed or not. Do like brother, brother, check, check, Mike, you working? The sick does not have to wonder anymore if you can be healed or not. The price has already been paid. You don't have to wonder anymore if your son or your daughter can be saved. The price is already paid. You don't have to wonder anymore if you can be free from that debilitating disease. Amen, what is it? Death has already been crushed. Sin has already been paid for. What a privilege it is to know that you got a way now when there was no way. Calvary opened up the way. For all those patriarchs that hunted and sought for it, Calvary gave it to you free. How can we turn such a great thing down? How can we turn it down and join a denomination? Whether that be whatever name you want to put on it. Men are turning away freedoms at once, the faith that was delivered to the church. That's what Jude was Jude said we must earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered. So there has to be someone that'll stand and say, you know what? It's gonna be war either way. Whether we want to end up just just laying back and saying, devil, do whatever you want to. And we end up in chains. Or we fight. We fight for our families. Oh, there's a cost, but we fight for our families. We fight for our freedom. There's men in this gospel that we earnestly, we love with all of our heart, we call the message that are laying aside freedoms and saying they, they don't belong to us. They're saying it ain't no more. We shouldn't do prayer lines. We shouldn't do altar calls. You traitor. That's all you are is a traitor. You need the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. You say, how can you say that? Because I was just in one Saturday night and I saw deliverance after deliverance after deliverance. Why wouldn't you want it? Why wouldn't you want every freedom that's been given to the house of God? 
Why wouldn't you want it? Why wouldn't you stand for it? Why wouldn't you stand there and hold the sword and say, devil, come take it? If you want it, you're going to have to come take it because I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to fight for the Holy Ghost in our hearts. I'm going to fight for the Holy Ghost atmosphere that sons and daughters can be born of the Spirit of God. I'm going to stand there when I've done all to stand. I want to stand fast in the liberty whereas I have been called. You can go back to the bondage if you want to go back. I'm not going back to bondage. You can go back to lukewarmness if you want to go back. I'm not going back to lukewarmness. You can go back to your own comfort zone if that's where you want to be. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're going to fight for our liberties. devil wants to come in the house of God and take the liberty of the ministry to preach the gospel. How dare you, devil? You as the children of God ought to fight for the liberty to have a man better stand and proclaim the message of Almighty God. Whether it burns a hide off of us. But there is a cost of freedom. That day on Calvary, there wasn't a lamb on this earth that could pay the price. No woolly lamb, but there was the lamb of God. He was hacked. He was chopped. He was beat. He was spit on, slammed, smacked by the world, and the blood dropping off his locks. It was a cost. And he paid it for you. He paid it so you can enjoy the liberties that we can find in Christ Jesus. The liberties to let God do as God wants to do. He said in John 8 and verse 36, he said, The Son therefore shall make you free. Ye shall be free indeed. He'd say this in the church, he says, now don't get tied again by traditions and creeds and organizations. Don't get tied again. Don't be led astray by letting, be not entangled again. Remember what we just read, be not entangled. Don't be led astray by listening to those that deny the power of the word. Hello. Don't be led astray by listening to those that deny the power of the word and deny that Jesus saves and deny that he heals and deny that he fills with the Holy Ghost and power. You are God's men loosed by his own blood. It would say it there in that same place in Revelation 1.5, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins. This wash means, actually means loosed. Loosed us from our own sins and his own blood. Isn't that wonderful? But are you spiritually minded? Did you catch it? It was his own blood that loosed us completely from our sins. It was not human blood. It was the blood of God. Peter called it the blood of Christ. Paul called it the blood of the Lord, the blood of Jesus. Not three persons, but one person. There's that revelation again. One God, that omnipotent Jehovah God came down and made himself a body by means of the virgin birth and indwelt it that it might be the blood of God that would free us, loose us entirely from our sin and present us spotless before himself with exceeding great joy. In other words, what happened? You had sins, I had sins. We were all born in sins. But somebody settled the debt. Hallelujah. One lamb could only, in the Bible, the Old Testament could only come and sacrifice and maybe for a year settle the debt or one sin settle the debt. But this one lamb came and settled every debt. I'm not even talking about every person in this church. I'm talking about everyone who serve a will, let him come. He has settled every debt. Canceled. 
The devil wants to come as your accuser and he pulls out his old book of remembrance and he opens, oh, wait a minute. I had a road here, but it says canceled. Let me, let me go out and I got something on him over here. Back in this, well, canceled. I was sure I knew he told this lie and he done this bad deal and he done this over. I had it wrote down. Let me flip it right. Cancel? What? Matter of fact, it's written there in red. Let me, read, let me put my glasses on. I can't. Justified. As though he never did it in the first place. Hallelujah. If you've got condemnation tonight and you put everything under the blood, it's not coming from God. It's coming from that old wicked enemy called the devil and he's trying to hold up something over you that you never did in the first place. Because God came and he canceled the debt and he paid the price that you could go free. He came himself to redeem that lost son. He did not send another. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send another one like unto us. No, he came himself. God did not entrust this plan of salvation to anyone else. His trust, he trusted only himself. God was made flesh and dwelt among us and redeemed us into himself. We are saved by the blood of God. Eternal God indwelt a mortal body in order to take away sin. He became the lamb in order to shed his blood to enter into the veil with it. Consider this. Since it was the blood of God, it is a perfect blood. And if it has a perfect blood, it has a perfect loosing. It looses us from the power and the bondage and the defilement of sin. Then the loosen is perfect and complete. There is now therefore no condemnation. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies us or declares us righteous. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. The blood has loosed us. There is now no condemnation. There is now nothing to be condemned for. What sin? What sin? It's removed as far as the east from the west because the blood has loosed us from the sin. We are free, guiltless. Don't listen to man. Listen to the word. That's why God paid the price for you to have the word. Some years ago, Brother Randall says it like this. We bring this down. I was walking around looking at different pictures and things in this old uh, museum. I admire art and I think God is in art. And I walked up and I noticed there was an old Negro man, he was a real old, stooped in his shoulders, little rim of hair at the back of his head. He had a hat on. He's walking around, something in that manner, looking around as if he was watching or looking for something, something specific. I stood back and I watched him a little bit. After a while, he came to a certain little box. And he looked into it and he startled. His eyes brightened up and he jumped back took off his little plug hat and held it in his hand. And I watched him as that he bowed his head and tears began to drop off his cheeks. And I stood there and watched in amazement. I thought I had to find out what he's so excited about. And I walked around this side and I looked at, looked at me like I just a dress laying there. And I said, uncle, how you doing? He said, how do you do, sir? I said, I'm a minister. I'm surprised to see you offering prayer at this place. I believe you must be a Christian. He said, yes, sir, I am. So why are you so excited? What, what has excited you so much? He said, come here, sir. 
And I walked over with the old fella there, and he said, you see that dress? I said, yes, sir. You see that spot on there? Yes, sir. Put your hand on my side. I said, well, what's that rough place? He said, a slave belt went around there one day. He said, and that blood on that dress is Abraham Lincoln's blood. That blood took the slave belt off of me. Wouldn't that excite you too? I stood there in amazement. I thought if the blood of Abraham Lincoln could excite a slave for taking a slave belt off for him, what ought the blood of Jesus Christ do a people like Rosella sitting here that was a slave to alcohol or me dying a miserable wretch, but he took the slave belt off of me? Often it excite a man? Often it make him happy? Often he rejoice? that I can't hardly look at a tree without remembering my Lord hung on a tree and he gave his life for me. He said, that ought to make anybody shout. Hallelujah. And you wonder why we're shouting? You wonder why we get excited? You know, I get amazed by people. They can get excited by a song and they can have a concert and they can say, well, the spirit of God moved. He, maybe he did. I say he did. Wonderful. But somehow we get to preaching of the word and we go to shouting and something's wrong about that. I thought it was the word that was supposed to make us shout. Not some gift that's up there singing and carrying on. I, ain't, I mean, that's all fine and dandy in this place. But what ought to really make you shout is the word of God. Because in the word of God, there is liberty. And the word has come. He sent his word and he healed them. He sent his word and he delivered them. Oh, that's what is happening. That is what is going on around us. God has sent his word and he's delivering that one and he's delivering that one and he's setting that one free and the slave belt is broke off. The slave belt is broke off and that's what's causing the rejoicing. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Hallelujah. He paid the price that I can go free. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he healed me, how he delivered me. When I think about the Lord, how he brought Justin Ware back, how he healed Sister Atlanta, how he touched different hearts in this assembly, it makes me want to shout. When I think about the Lord, and I feel the marks of that old slate belt. But the slate belt ain't there no more. It's just marks of it. Amen, scars that I hold. But it's a reminder, there used to be a slate belt there. You say, well, Brother Timothy, I got a lot of scars in my life. Let that be as a reminder. There used to be a slate belt there. But that slate belt ain't there no more. He broke it off of you. And you're free. If a little spot of Abraham's leaking blood can make a little man shout, what ought the blood of Jesus Christ do the church of the living God whose sin has been broke off, chains have been broke off, complexes have been broke off, anxieties have been broke off, fear's gone. who the Son has set free, is free indeed. You're free tonight. Let's don't give up our liberties. Let's stand fast therefore in the liberty of Christ. This ain't a man decreed liberty. Come on now. This ain't a man decreed liberty. It was an angel, a mighty angel that came down with a book in his hand. And he put his land upon the sea and upon the earth. And he cried with a loud voice. His head was in heaven, but where was his body? And he showed you in that body your land, your feet are over the land and over the sea. 
It's all, it has dominion in it. It has power in it. You say, well, Brother Timothy, I'm just nothing but that old mule. I'm just nothing but a lop-eared mule. Nobody cares for me. Nobody understands. I'm just a skin on the bottom of his feet. Well, good thing you made the body. You might be the skin, but try walking without skin. Try operating without skin on the bottom of your feet. It is very necessary. Every person in this church is very necessary. You might feel the lowest of the lowest, but when the lowest of the lowest steps out of bed and he gets to walk around, it ain't walking around a slave. It ain't walking around bound. It's walking around delivered. And the devil knows he's under your feet. The devil knows you are a free man and he is the one that's bound. You are a free people, so let's act like we're free. You love the Lord? Let's just lift our hands and just tell him how much. Thank you for paying the price. Thank you for paying the price. Thank him that he cared, he saw value in you, and he picked you up out of that old pawn shop. He didn't leave you where he found you. But he raised you up so you could stand no mountains. Hallelujah. Some have paid incredible prices for freedom. They've moved across countries. They've done everything they could to get in the presence of God. Well, then just enjoy your liberty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe in a free man enjoying his liberty. Hey, listen, I, I believe in it. I believe in fireworks. <laughs> let them go. Let them Roman candles go. Let them, let them light up the sky. We're still free. We're still free. We're still free. Who the sun is free is free indeed. Let them go. Let them go. Let them hands go up saying, I'm still free. I'm still delivered. I'm still a son of God. I'm still a daughter of God. I'm still a child of God. I still belong to Jesus. He sold me and he bought me and he paid the price for me. And he broke the sin off of my life. Still free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Still delivered. Some of you need it right now. Just go ahead and make that proclamation. Some of you gave your heart to the Lord a long time ago, but you need to let the devil know again, I'm still free. I'm still delivered. And devil, there ain't nothing you can do about it. You can't put me back in there. You can't put me back in that prison. The price is already paid. It's already done. It's already over. Prisoner of doubt, I am free. I am free. Somebody paid my liberty. Somebody paid my price. I'm free. I'm delivered. Sing, buddy. Hallelujah. Let freedom ring. I said, let freedom ring. Let hell know, leave the light tabernacle, it's free.
Thank you.